This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, December 6, 2023. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. The Galesburg City Council has authorized a demolition of the former St. Mary's Square building, but that does not mean it will be torn down. Tri-States Public Radio's Jane Carlson reports. The building in the 200 block of South Cherry Street was originally the home of St. Mary's Hospital. Then it became St. Mary's Square Living Center, a home for people with developmental disabilities. But it's been vacant since 2013. Two years ago, Utah-based KXZ Properties bought it for around $500,000 with plans to renovate it into a multi-use facility with a rooftop restaurant. Director of Community Development Steve Gugliotta says that hasn't happened, and now there are concerns about the property. As of now, I think we mentioned that the property hasn't had water since, what, 2014. Uh, The current owner uh, is non-responsive. We're spending thousands of dollars trying to keep it boarded up, uh, which so far hasn't been very successful with the number of people breaking in and cutting out pipes and, and electrical wiring and plumbing, and which is very unsafe. Gugliotta says initiating demolition proceedings is a way of getting the attention of the owner. If this spurs them to do something with the property, demolition proceedings could end. He says the right developer with enough funds could rehab the building, and it's currently listed for sale for $2.2 million. I'm Jane Carlson. There will be contested primaries for a couple of federal and state positions in next year's primaries in western Illinois. Tri-State's Public Radio's Rich Egger reports. Two people are running for the Republican nomination in the 17th Congressional District. They are Joe McGraw of Rockford and Scott Allen Crowell of Milan. The winner of the primary will face Democratic incumbent Eric Sorensen next November. He's unopposed in his party's primary. In the 99th State Representative District, two Republicans file to replace the retiring Randy Freeze. They are Kyle Moore of Quincy and Eric Snellgrove of Beardstown. No Democratic candidates have filed in that district. Elsewhere in the region, several Republicans are running unopposed in their primaries, and in each case, no Democratic candidate filed. They are Illinois Supreme Court Justice Lisa Holder White, 9th District Circuit Judge Nigel Graham, Congresswoman Mary Miller, and State Representatives Noreen Hammond and Dan Swanson. The primary will be held on March 19th. Rich Egger reporting. The Illinois Supreme Court ruled there's a limit to Illinois' strongest-in-the-nation biometric information privacy law. Capital News Illinois reports the high court issued a unanimous decision finding the state's Biometric Information Privacy Act does not apply to health care professionals working in settings like hospitals. A proposed CO2 pipeline from eastern Iowa to central Illinois is running into trouble with Illinois regulators. Iowa Public Radio's Zachary Oren-Smith reports Iowa anti-pipeline activists see momentum against the project growing. In Lynn, Cedar, and Scott counties, opponents of carbon pipeline projects want more landowners to refuse giving land easements to Wolf Carbon Solutions' proposed carbon dioxide pipeline. This year, they dropped a list of 250 landowners who are refusing to sign, and they're going for more. Across the Mississippi River, the Illinois Commerce Commission is considering a staff report detailing safety concerns about the project. Jessica Wiskus's family farm is in Wolf's proposed route. She's pointing to this move by staff as a sign that projects are losing momentum. As I said, this is the third holiday season that we have faced this 
particular issue of the carbon pipelines. But we are not at all discouraged. The Illinois regulator has to make a decision by May. I'm Zachary Orrin-Smith, IPR News. An Iowa man now holds the Guinness World Record for the largest pencil collection. Iowa Public Radio's Grant Gerlach has the story of how a lifelong hobby became a record setter. Aaron Bartholomew of Colfax says when he started collecting pencils at a young age, setting a record wasn't the point. They were something he could look for when his grandpa would take him shopping at flea markets and antique stores. A lot of flea markets, the vendors would have, you know, a cigar box of pencils there on the table and um, usually something cheap and small that I can pick up while Grandpa was looking at everything else. And so it was something for me to do and kind of make that connection with him. But over the decades, the pencils piled up. Now it's officially a record-setting collection of 69,255 unique pencils, all unused. Most are advertising pencils, also pencils from political campaigns and town festivals. He says he'll keep looking for rare and unique pencils to add to the collection. I'm Grant Gerlock, IPR News. Every child under the age of five in Illinois will soon be able to receive a free book every month in the mail, thanks to an agreement between the state and the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. About 30,000 Illinois children already receive the free monthly books. The state is spending $1.6 million to expand the program to every pre-kindergartner in the state. All parents will need to do is register their children through local libraries or other partners. In our feature for today, there is a remarkable run of blockbuster public corruption cases filing through Chicago's federal courthouse this year. Illinois Public Radio's Dave McKinney examines the effect that all of these corruption cases is having on Illinois' democracy and its voters. Acting U.S. Attorney Morris Pasquale appeared before news cameras last spring after a jury convicted four former Commonwealth Edison executives and lobbyists of conspiring to bribe former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan. For prosecutors, it was a career win, an exclamation point on Justice Department data that shows public corruption convictions in Chicago stand at an eight-year high. If so many people are getting caught, why then, Pasquale was asked, does public corruption keep happening here? We, meeting the feds, have been prosecuting public corruption for a long time. And it seems like a lot of people are slow getting the message. Illinois has had four of its last 11 governors go to federal prison. And more than 2,200 public officials statewide have been convicted of federal corruption charges since 1976, often with each case sounding a little more shocking and brazen than the last. Why it keeps happening in Illinois is important to know, but even more important is measuring what effect corruption is having on the state's democracy and its voters. In a way, that's an even more complicated and interesting question. That's Northwestern University law professor and former federal prosecutor Juliette Sorensen, who teaches courses on public corruption. Corruption impedes democracy in almost too many ways. To count. Former Chicago Alderperson Ed Burke is on trial, the fourth major corruption trial this year. Jurors are currently listening to evidence that he allegedly strong-armed city developers to hire his law firm. And in April, Madigan is set to go on trial for racketeering and bribery. University of Illinois at Chicago political science professor Dick Simpson has made a career of studying corruption, everything from judges on the take to shakedowns from governors and aldermen. All of those have informed the public uh, that they shouldn't trust their public officials. 
and it's been uh, that's been a negative effect throughout our politics at every level, the level at which people want to contact the public officials, the level in which they have faith in the government decisions that are made. Polling has borne out that cynicism. In 2012, the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute at SIU Carbondale found that more than three in four people considered corruption to be widespread. People think all the politicians and government officials are crooks. And when people think like that, studies show voting patterns can suffer. But Becky Simon, president of the League of Women Voters of Illinois, isn't seeing that play out here, at least yet. In spite of corruption on the part of individual elected officials, voters still have confidence in American democracy. That is what League sees. That is why voters are going to the polls. WBEZ analyzed total statewide ballots cast and voter registration totals during the past dozen Illinois general elections dating back to 2000. Sure enough, voter participation actually increased, even in non-presidential years, and it was at percentages greater than the state's population gain during that period. When corruption is exposed, voters are ready and eager to make their voice heard through the democratic process, through voting. But for every potentially encouraging sign like that, there are other examples that show corruption carries a real cost. A 2014 study involving the 10 most corrupt states in the country, Illinois being one of them, found that government expenditures were more than $1,300 higher per capita than in states with lower levels of public corruption. And testimony in the ComEd trial revealed that ratepayers paid billions of dollars more as a result of bribery-tainted legislation that passed. Back on that day when the ComEd case was decided, juror Amanda Schnitker-Sayers hoped the verdict she helped reach would change the system. This should be a landmark where we start to do better for ourselves, for our children, and have pride in our city and our state and not make any shady dealings to get stuff done because we don't need to. In Illinois, that seems to be a message that some of our leaders have missed. This is Dave McKinney. In the weather for our listening area for today, it should be mostly cloudy, then gradually clear, with a high in the mid-40s and west winds at 5 to 10 miles an hour. They will turn towards the south this afternoon. For tonight, it should be mostly clear with a low in the mid-30s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.